Let's uh, turn our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 9, and then also Psalm, uh, Psalm 34, uh, verse 8. Luke chapter 9 this morning, and excited about this week, and if you think about the, the need to evangelize the, the world, it would do us good if we just had that mentality one by one, and uh, th- those that we come across to, and those that we get to converse with, our neighbors, our workmates, uh, those who are just in our happenstance as we go about life. If we did what we were meant to do and, and were courageous like we were meant to be, um, really that is the, the, the work of missions as we think about it, it's the gospel. And so we'll focus on that a little bit this week and I hope that you've been praying. I know I have and just been, just been thinking and, and meditating on the week, asking to Lord to do, uh, for the Lord to do something great. But we're going we're gonna to begin here in Luke chapter 9. And we're going to read verses 23 uh, to 26. The Bible tells us, And he said to them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he shall come into his, in his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. And uh, here we, we read a familiar passage of Scripture, I believe. And oftentimes when we uh, turn to Passages like this in, in Luke chapter 9, we have a certain familiarity with it. And no doubt, uh, this is probably the portion of the Scripture here that is mainly uh, preached, mainly emphasized. Uh, but we understand that there is a context to, to what Jesus says, and He builds upon it. And, and here we see that, that He's, he's, he's going to voice out to us and uh, to his disciples, as he often did, these two words, follow me, follow me. And, and he makes particular instruction, and he says, follow me, and how you do that is you're going to deny yourself and take up your cross. And you're going to live in a certain way that is different, but, but it, to initiate that, it was a voice, wasn't it? To say, follow me. And, and often the thing that helps us get back into focus um, is a voice. And the Bible tells us in, in, in John chapter 10, verses 27 to 28, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And, and if you think about it, even in, in our, from a physical sense, from our time here on earth, even, uh, even other voices can sometimes help us get refocused or just get, get back on the right path. Uh, I remember a particular time we were living in the Philippines still. We were quite young. I was, I think, uh, in, in kindergarten, and my sister Irene, who's only a year 
um, younger, don't be surprised, she's younger than me, all right, but um, younger, uh, she, she was, uh, we were at an at a, at a excursion with our school, and we had gone to the zoo that morning, Manila Zoo, and, and that afternoon we had gone to a, a shopping center. Now, for those of you who's been to the Philippines, it's SM, all right, Shumat, uh, that's what I think it, it's called anyway, but um, that particular excursion it was uh, with my parents, and was, so we had gone to the department store. Uh, my parents were, we were walking around. I think my, my parents were buying me shoes, and so we're looking at these shoes, and then before we knew it, one of our party had gone missing. It was my sister Irene. And suddenly we were looking around, and, and suddenly she had disappeared. Now, initially, the, there was a sense of celebration in my heart, but then I became increasingly concerned as I realized she was not really around. She was gone. And I'm sure my parents were starting to, uh, to panic a little bit. If you understand, it's not, just a, it's not just a deal in the Philippines when a child goes missing. It's a big deal, right? Because there's kidnappings and all of that. It just all happens there, all right? And so they were starting to, to feel a bit panicked, I'm sure. And, and in my five-year-old mind, I'm I'm thinking, this is not a good thing. And then, as we were running around, sort of like just thinking, where is, where is Irene? I heard a familiar voice over the PA system. And in fact, it wasn't just any voice, it was a crying voice. And being familiar with that crying voice, I knew immediately that it was my sister Irene. And it just refocused my mind on, the, on what was happening. And I heard her voice, and here we go. Gladly for us, the, the security had found her, and, and she was right there at the security guard's um, station. But it was a voice that, that snapped my mind back to what was happening and what I needed. It was a familiar voice. And, and often it's a voice, isn't it, in our lives? It, maybe it's a parent's voice warning a child when they're in danger. Uh, isn't it one of the things that we, we do as parents that we try to uh, have our children familiar with our voice? So that when they're in danger, we can call out and immediately obey. And immediately they're, in, they're snapped back into focus. And maybe it's a child uh, walking across the street thinking that their ball, all they're thinking about is that ball that had, had rolled to the other side of the street. And, and unbeknownst to them in their young minds, in their, they're not familiar with the surroundings and there's cars coming. And then you yell out, stop! And that voice, familiar, trusted gets you back into focus. Uh, it could be a, a, a voice of a, of a teacher. Maybe for those of you who are sportsmen or ladies, you're at halftime. You get the sports, uh, you get your coach's voice drilling into your head what the game plan is because that first half you weren't, you weren't quite following the game plan. And then at halftime, your coach tells you or, or, or an innings break and they tell you and encourage you and, and try to get you refocused. Maybe it's a friend's voice, someone you trust, someone that you know cares for you. Uh, maybe you've had a rough day and, and you feel disillusioned with life, and maybe it's a familiar voice of a friend, your spouse maybe. Maybe it's a, it's a preacher's voice that, that goes to a familiar passage of Scripture that you've heard so often, but it's again a trusted voice perhaps. It's a trusted and familiar voice. 
And as Christians, we have those kinds of voices that, that God can use for us. But certainly there's the voice of God through His Spirit that can readily speak to us. And often it's this, follow me, follow me. And, and it's, it's, it's that that Jesus calls us back with in, in a world with, with many competing distractions where, where we can get sidelined, where we can get distracted, we can get um, detoured about what we're meant to be and who we're meant to be as Christians. It's the familiar and trusted voice of our Savior that we need to be listening out for. And He's saying, follow me. Follow me. And there's one clear voice that we must tune our hearts to. And really it's the voice of our shepherd this morning. And the clear way that Jesus calls us to get back to Him in focus is really found in those two words, follow me. And in teaching about a life that's really dedicated to do that, in in calling us to a, a place where we would lay down our lives, and we would bear our cross. He's again saying, follow me. But then, but then we must look at the context of that and, and what, is, what that is reliant upon is what we're going to learn about this morning. We're going to learn about the fact that before we can actually listen and hear and be familiar with His voice, we must decide and we must know who he is. Now look at look at Proverbs 18. Uh, sorry, Luke chapter 9 and verse 18. Luke chapter 9, look at verse 18. And here's the, the verses that 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 uh, that are, are prior to the, the verses that we just read. It says, And it came to pass as he was alone praying. Notice this, his disciples were with him. And he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? So Jesus asked these people who, who had traveled with him, who were in fact called to be with him. He asked them this question, Whom say the people that I am? Now, we understand that Jesus and his disciples were often with multitudes, weren't they? They were with crowds of people all the time. There were those who heard about the miracles. There were those who, who, who were curious about whether this was indeed, He was indeed the Messiah. And, and no doubt there were those who were just surmising and maybe thinking through, who is this man? Who is this person? And, and so He asked His disciples, whom say the people that I am? Notice in verse 19, then answering, they answering said John the Baptist. But some say Elias and others say, that one of the old prophets is risen again. And, and no doubt in the, in the context of their, their time there, uh, those Jewish people who had the Old Testament as Scriptures, and, and as they, they thought about all these miracles and all these things that were happening in their day, their minds must have gone back to, boy, this must be John the Baptist, or this must be one of the other mighty prophets like Elias, who is now come back to us, who is now demonstrating this great power and, and, and this great uh, this great outpouring of the Spirit of God. But then notice in verse 20, He said unto them, and here's where Jesus was trying to get to, but whom say ye that I am? And then Peter, and if we had, a, if we had any guess, 
who the first person would answer would be, it would be Peter, right? Peter was so often the one who was jumping the gun. And here Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing. So Peter was right, but the timing was not so. And in verse 22, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. See, his mission had not been done yet. It was not complete. And so he says, don't tell any man. But Peter, you're right. I am the Christ of God. And, and, and there he, he was trying to narrow it down. And, and isn't it interesting that, that it was just Peter who was just willing to voice out when he was asking all of them individually, whom say ye that I am? And, and here's my point today, and here's going to be our, the crux of our message this morning. Before we get to deny yourself, before we get to bear your cross, before we engage in the mission that God has for us, before we get there, we must first make up our minds and we must first affirm it in our hearts who Christ is to us. The reason why so much of Christendom today who claim to, 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 to be one of Christ, to be one of His flock, to be one of, uh, of, of, of His children the reason why they so easily go away from the mission, from the goal, from the purpose that He has so clearly left us is this. They never get to that place where they themselves, they themselves affirm in their own hearts and in their own lives who Jesus is. They're just buying into what everyone else is saying, what everyone generally knows what they've just learned perhaps even in their Sunday school class, maybe even in the preaching, but, but never ever have they in their own hearts taken a great ownership of who their Savior truly is. They've just gone around and they're just buying into perhaps what their family believes and, and what, their, what others have told them about. And, and really what has happened to them is this, they've, they have a second-hand faith because they have a second-hand relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they might be truly saved. And they might have really uh, accepted the Lord Jesus. But, but that answer to that question, whom, ye, whom say ye that I am, has never, been, has never been addressed truly in their own heart. In fact, they're not really knowing Him in a greater way. In, in fact, they, they don't really understand who who Jesus is, who God is. And, and there's just some things about Him that they just know generally, but they don't know individually and specifically. And therefore, His mission, His heart, all that He is, is not really important to them, to you. And so this morning, I, I, I want to just talk about that thought of the who before you follow. Uh, we're, we're called to follow. We're called to be like Him, but do you know Him? Do you know Him more than the generalities that we learn? Do you know Him more than what the crowd says about Him? Because the question really that Jesus is coming, uh, coming to is this, whom say ye 
you as individuals, whom say ye that I am? And really what we're saying here is this, following Him is really contingent upon understanding who He is. You see, before we get to deny ourselves, and it's going to make sense as we go through this, before we get to deny yourself, before we get to bear your cross, before we get to lose your life, we need to be confident in who He is. We need, to, we need to have a personal, not just relationship, but a personal abiding and intimacy and closeness with our Savior. You see, oftentimes, what we do is we equate the, follow, the following of Him as, as, the, as the end goal, as if that's the thing that will fuel our journey, as if that's the thing that motivates us to lay down our life. But well, as we're going to see in Scripture here, there's several times where there had to be a revealing of, of Christ in a person's life before they truly went on their mission, before they truly went on their journey, before they truly went on that, on that, on that uh, path of which God had called them to be on. And so we're going to see there, and, and really what Jesus was doing, He was challenging those nearest to Him about something that the general popul- uh, population was trying to define. You see, everyone has a thought about Jesus today. If we were to go out and, and survey our community, if we were to just uh, take a sampling of, of the, the mindset and the thinking of the general public, there's going to be some opinions that they have about Jesus. They're, they're going to they're look, uh, look at perhaps Christmas and equate Jesus as that baby that lay in the manger who was born all those years ago, and because of Him, we get to have a public holiday. And there's a general perception about Jesus that way, that, that he's somehow He's just a baby, that somehow He stayed that way, and, and, and that's the depth of their knowing of Him, but that's all they've ever heard. Maybe they can take a step further and understand that Easter was really all about Jesus, about His death about His sacrifice for us. And maybe that's what all you know perhaps today. You know, that's what the general, uh, general public knows about Jesus. That He's some religious figure that, that, that died on the cross uh, those 2,000 or so odd years ago. And, and somehow He's made an impact. And, and somehow all of these followers of His have just followed Him. And that's all they know about Him. And maybe even they were told that, no, he wasn't just a religious figure. He was a great teacher. He taught great morals. And, and certainly there's a, there's a section of our general population today who would just say, well, well Jesus is, is pretty harmless. I mean, he taught good morals. He taught, taught us how to turn the other cheek. He taught us these things, how, how to love our neighbor as ourselves. Those are good for mankind. And, and those are general things that, our general population will know about Jesus. But, but sometimes it's sad to realize this, that, that whilst that's what, we, what the general public knows about Jesus, that's all sometimes some Christians know about Jesus too. And, and maybe we can narrow it down, not just to everyone around us, but right here to this local church. And if I was to survey you this morning, what would you say about Jesus? What are some things you would know about Jesus? And, and maybe there'd be a bit more specificity about the, the, the things that we would say. We would, might say well, He's the Prince of Peace. Well, we might say He's the Lamb of God. Well, we might say, well, He said He's the door. 
well, he's the bread of life and maybe he's the light of the world and all of those things are correct and true about Jesus. Well, he's my savior. You, some, many of you here this morning, you would attest to the fact that there was a time in your life where you, you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, as a payment for your sin and, and you came and you turned to him for your salvation. That's a great thing, isn't it? And those things you ought to know about Christ. But that's just the general knowledge of Him. That, that if, that, that's the depth of your knowing of Him. That's not what He's asking. You see, He's asking, what do, whom do people say I am? He, he understood there's a general knowledge of Him. And even in our population here, in this church, here, there would be a general understanding of who Christ is. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. Those things are good. Those things are true. And, and, and certainly the disciples were able to answer in a general response. And, and they, they, were, they were saying those things that they had heard from others. And maybe here today, some of you could say those things because you've heard it from others. You've heard those things preached. You've heard those things taught. You've heard those things given you, uh, perhaps in the ministry of this church, perhaps in the ministry of your parents at home, and those things are great to know. But the sad reality is this, those things are just knowing, and sometimes those can become just facts that are trivialized. When there's so much more relationship, there's so much more to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it gets down to this, it's not the general knowledge that will change you. It's the reality individually that will change you. You see, for the disciples, Jesus was a very real person to them. From the very beginning when they were chosen, the twelve, Jesus basically said, follow me. But often he he would reiterate and, and remind just the reason they were able to, they, they were to be his disciples was this just to be with him. In fact, that was their calling as we see earlier on. Uh, we won't take the time, but if you follow the story of the disciples, from the very beginning, they weren't just called to preach and do the work. In fact, the thing that was most important about them as disciples was this, that they were to be with Jesus. They were to be with Him. In fact, this is where we find them here. It says here in verse 18, His disciples were with Him. And I wonder today, I wonder if you're on your journey with Jesus being with Him. I'm not talking about your list. I'm not talking about those things that you're trying to achieve. I'm not talking about those things that you think are so pertinent to the Christian life. Here's what I'm saying. If you're doing that and you've missed Jesus, then you've missed the point. If you're doing all of that, but you never have, you're never with Him, you're never praying with Him, you're never fellowshipping with Him, you're never in the Word looking for Him, then listen, you've missed the point. And you could do all of those, just like Martha did. But it was Mary who got the commendation. And we could go and, and, and try to complicate the Christian life, but really God's trying to simplify it for us. And I'm not trying to be reductionist this morning. I'm just trying to say the most important thing and really the start to the journey of the mission for you is really just this, just having a greater knowledge 
and a greater fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would take care of that, then, then you understand, you're going to understand and know Him. See, the Bible tells us in Psalm 34 verse 8, He says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. You see, once you recognize, once you've truly tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you'll have no other choice but trust Him. You'll just not want anything else. You'll just not want anyone else. And Jesus wasn't just interested in knowing what everyone else thought. He knew everything. He wanted to hear it from them personally. And this morning, you'll never be interested truly in the mission that God has given us if you don't truly fellowship and you don't truly get to know your Savior. You see, the goal that Jesus has for each and every one of us is that we would know Him intimately. He wants to answer that, this question by revealing Himself to us individually. He's saying, whom say ye that I am? And they were to be with Him. And later on, they were recognized as they were fishermen, and they said these things that were wise and good. And You know, the, the people recognized, but aren't they just fishermen? And you know what their conclusion was as they observed the words that came out of their mouths? Boy, they had been with Jesus. And the transforming work isn't your list of to-dos. The transforming work in your life is your relationship and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the reason why we never get to the laying down our lives? Because we don't truly know. And we tr haven't truly affirmed who Jesus is. We can't really answer that question, Wh whom say ye that I am? And here in the first place, uh, we note that, that Peter answered him in a certain way. Uh, he, he called him the Christ of God. But before we get there, you know, there were other occasions in the Scripture where, where God truly revealed Himself and He changed the, the life of, of, uh, of that person. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. And this is a popular uh, passage of Scripture uh, in fact, maybe one of our preachers this, this week will, will turn to it, so I'm going to beat them to the punch, all right? Uh, Isaiah chapter 6. And, and Isaiah was a prophet uh, sent from God, and, and Isaiah was ministering here in the, in the time of King Uzziah. All right, and in, in verse 1, a, a very particular thing happens. In the year that King Uzziah died, notice here, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. And, and so he gets this vision, and, and God reveals Himself and all of His magnificence. And we do serve a, a magnificent God. He is high and holy. He is high and lifted up. And here he, we see Him on His throne. All of these beings are around him. Above it stood the seraphims. And it's described for us there in verse 2. In, in verse 3, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so these, these, these beings were, were, were giving him his title and, and describing him. And the post of the doors moved in verse 4. At the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And and then notice the response because of that vision, because of knowing more 
seeing more of God. Notice his response in verse 5. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And later on, he's going to say, here am I, send me. The reason he got to that conclusion was he saw the magnificence of God. You know, when we have a magnificent Savior, then those things that are, that are, those things that are hard for us to do won't be so hard for us to do. You see, what happened with, with, with Isaiah was this. Because of the magnificence and the glory of God, what was revealed about him became revealed. He really saw himself for what he was. He saw himself as a man of unclean lips. You know, sometimes we think we're magnificent. Some, sometimes we think our plans are great. Sometimes we think we're pretty great. But you understand, much of the Bible and much of, of God's revelation to man is to show us how hopeless we are without Him. And here, the, the, the prophet Isaiah, he'd heard God before. He'd heard God many times. In fact, he was a mouthpiece for God. But you know what it was? He, he needed to see God. He needed to see Him in all of His magnificence and glory. And because of that, he saw himself. He, he saw himself. And here's what's going to happen. The, the more you get to know Christ, the more you get to know God, the more you see yourself as undeserving. And the more you see the people around you as just like you. A person of unclean lips. And, and Isaiah recognized, I'm in the midst of of a people of unclean lips. And that, that shocked Isaiah to the point where he says, here am I, send me. I need to tell them. I need to tell them because I'm just like them. They are just like me. I am in need of God. I'm in need of His saving. And Isaiah, having seen God, was, was moved to go and see the need of others in a true light. See, sometimes... We think if we would just go and see the need. No, sometimes we go and see something we don't really understand. And God has to give us true sight and true vision. And we can only do that when we truly understand who He is and who we are. It, it reveal, He reveals for us as He reveals Himself who we truly are. And, and so I'm sorry this morning, maybe... Your parents told you, you, were, you were, you're just a great kid this morning. I'll, I'll just tell you now. God's telling you, you need adjusting. In fact, you need saving. And you need God. And He reveals that about us. Here's another person. Look at Exodus chapter 3. Look at it, Exodus chapter 3. And we know that, that Isaiah becomes this mighty prophet who preaches this message to the people. And in, in Exodus chapter 3, Here's another situation. We're going to now see Moses. And, and Moses was the great deliverer. But before he had to do that, God had to reveal himself to him. He had to see God for who he was. He had to know God in a greater way. And, and he knew about God. He knew enough that because he was a Hebrew child, 
grown up in, in the, in the uh, courts of Egypt and in the, king, uh, in the king's palace there. But, but he had his, uh, through, through God's miraculous enabling, he had his mum raising him, his real mum, who taught him much about the, the, the Jews and, and, and God and all of that. But then you understand, Moses tried to take his own, uh, his own will in his own hands. And he tried to be the deliverer in his own strength. And here we see then that now, fast forward many years, uh, now he's been in the backside of the wilderness over 80 years. And he sees this unusual thing, a burning bush that wasn't being consumed. I think you're familiar with this story somewhat. And so he's there, he's looking at this thing. And notice verse 5, after Moses says in verse 4, here am I. In verse 5, he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is, not ho- is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And, and this fearful sight, as he understood, as he began to un- unravel in his mind and his heart, that he was in the presence of God. And the Lord said in verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. And I have come to, to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large and unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore... Behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I've also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. And then he commands him, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So he's been given this command now. And notice here in verse 11, Moses said, Unto God, and notice the question he asked, Who am I? that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of, the, out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon the mountains. And, and God's trying to get his focus on him. He's saying, Stop looking at yourself, Moses. The question you ask is not the correct one. He said, Who am I? But then he's saying, God is responding with who he is. In verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come into the children of Israel, and shall say unto them that the the God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And then notice what he says, And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And, And now Moses is getting it, and God tells him this, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And because of that interaction, and we see later, they keep going back and forth a little bit. But because of that interaction, Moses was able to go in the confidence of not who he is, but who he is. And listen, you know, oftentimes we live in this world where where really the question often people ask is, who am I? When really we need to be asking, who is He? Who is God? How do we know Him more? Because really that's the difference. You could know yourself, but it'd be better to know who God is. 
It'd be better to, to have a greater light because then we really see ourselves for who we are. And, and Moses was asking of himself, who am I? But eventually he asked this question, who are you? And it'd be good for us, to, just like Moses, to just know more of who God is. And that enabled Moses to then go uh, with equipping to the people of Israel. And he indeed later on became the great deliverer of Israel. And, and we would, if we would just know God in a greater way, if, if we would just focus on Him and know Him in a greater light, then He would enable us to do what we were called to do. And then lastly, look at Acts chapter 9. Look at Acts chapter 9. Look at Acts chapter 9. And here, here's a, another story here of, of a, someone being who, who's, who's, who was revealed to. And look, look at Luke chapter 9. Uh, sorry, Acts chapter 9. And look at verses 4 to 7. We, we know this person to be Saul. Saul was a persecutor of the church. He was breathing out threatenings against the church. He was, he, he was railing against and slaughtering the disciples of the Lord. And, and here we see on his way now to do that to the, uh, in, uh, near Damascus in, in verse 3, there, there shined a great light from heaven. And notice, let's pick up the story in verse 4. And he fell to the earth. And heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You see, Paul or Saul here, he becomes Paul later on who wrote the majority of our New Testament. See, Saul at that point had heard some things about Jesus. And in his judgment, he had judged some things about Jesus. But here Jesus comes to him and reveals himself, falls off his horse. And notice what he says to, to Jesus, who he has persecuted. He says, Lord. And immediately at his understanding, he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You see, some of us, we're, we're waiting. We're waiting on the, what am I supposed to do? What's my life all about? But you know, that is contingent on you knowing who Jesus is. If you would just, if you would know him in a greater way. If, if you would fellowship with Him, if you would allow Him to reveal Himself in a greater way to you, then you know those things that you're seeking for, the, 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 the will in your life, those things that you want to follow after, that will become very clear to you. Because the only one person can answer that question in your heart. It's Jesus Himself. And we need to seek Him more than seeking our path. We need to seek Him more than we're seeking those details of life. We just need to seek Jesus. We need to have a greater knowing of Him. And, and Paul was converted upon realizing whom Jesus was. And his experience of Christians really was overwhelmed by his experience of their Savior. And too many times we have generalizations about Christ. 
and therefore we have a generalized faith. Rather than, than following after Christ, knowing Him, I like what Job said after all of his trials, out of all of his testings. He said in Job 42.5, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But then he says, but now mine eye seeth thee. And listen, church, it's, it's, we hear him. We, we see him. But, but do we truly know him? In here, in our, in our text verse, go back to Luke chapter 9. Peter simply said this, you are the Christ of God. And again, Peter knew, knew Christ. Peter had been with Christ. Peter had been around Him. Peter had, 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 uh, had been able to see Christ do a tremendous work in his life. He was called out of fishing into being a fisher of men. And here Peter was just in his bravado. He says a truth. Peter answering said, you're the Christ of God. And Peter was right. Here, here we note that, that as we think about Jesus, that Jesus had the title of Christ. That is the anointed one. That is the one chosen to carry out salvation for mankind. In Acts 2.36, Therefore let us all, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and and Christ. And really, this spoke of Jesus' purpose, right? To be Messiah of Israel, to be the chosen one of God to save all of mankind. And the implication for us is this the implication is if, we, if he is indeed the one foretold to be the Savior, then we must come to him for salvation and he alone. And, 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 and uh, friend, to today, whom say ye that He is? Is He your Savior? Do you know Him as your Savior? You see, he was, a, he was the one foretold that He would come. He would live a perfect life. And that He would willingly then lay down His life for your sins and for my sins. And, and he, his, his, his blood was going to be the sacrifice that... that, that caused God to be to make peace with us. And, and friend, listen, has there ever been a time where you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the cross for, our, for your sins? He, he, was, he, was, he was referring to Christ's purpose. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. See, He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a nice person. He, he is the one whom we must trust in for our eternity, and we are to go through Him if we have any hope of being saved from hell. But then notice He said, uh, he said also here in, in verse 22, saying, and this is now Jesus referring to Himself, the Son of Man. The Son of Man. See, He referred to Himself as the Son of Man, and, and prophetically this referred to His deity. This was Him declaring that He indeed is God. And listen, the, the, before He was to, to be the Christ of God, the God Himself, the Son of Man, He had to be the suffering one, as one that could feel our pain, 
and feel our sorrow. He suffered for our sins. He also had to be the rejected one. As one that was to be Israel's Messiah, he was rejected of his own. He also had to be the slain one. As one that was innocent, he died willingly to shed his blood, to make atonement for our sin. But then also gladly tonight, uh, today for us, he's also the resurrected one. Because on the third day, he took up his life again and he rose again to prove that he was indeed God. And that he had power over death. And as one that had the power over death, he demonstrated that his life, whilst willingly laid down, could be taken again. And he defeated death. And he proved that he was indeed God. So church, can I remind you, if he's your savior, that's great. I praise God that as a seven-year-old I understood that I was a sinner in need of saving. And from that day forward, when I called upon Christ to be my Savior, He's been my Savior. But listen, can I remind you that He is also your God? You see, sometimes we're okay that He's our Savior. Hey, thanks God for, uh, thanks Jesus for saving me. But then we sometimes treat Him like He's just that. Like somehow we just sort of that's all he can tell us. In other areas, he can't tell us anything. But listen, can I just remind you also that he is God? He's your God if you're, you're his one. And, and listen, he, he can, he, because of that, we're bought with a price, therefore glorify God with our bodies, which are, it's his. It's not ours. It's God's. And, and if he, he, he tells us to do something, we ought to do it. If he shows us how we ought to be, then we ought to be that way. And you do know him personally. You know, as you as you walk this this uh, journey on earth, do you are you getting to know him in a greater way? See, when you've seen him for yourself, when you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you will have a greater desire to follow him. And there's a trust that follows and a closeness that calls you to a richer vein of following after him. You ask anyone. You ask anyone who's ever stepped out by faith to do something for God. The reason they followed was because they knew God in a greater way. And I love the, the Apostle Paul who said uh, that I may know Him and the fellowship of His suffering. And here we see that, that predicated on us denying ourselves and taking up His cross and following Him must first be a greater knowing of Him. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? You see, Christ is enough. He, he is all. And, and someone once said to the architect, He is the chief cornerstone. To the astronomer, He is the bright and morning star. To the butcher, He is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of this world. To the baker, He is the living bread. To the carpenter, he is the master builder. To the diplomat, he is the prince of peace. To the doctor, he is the great physician. To the educator, he is the master teacher. To the electrician, he is the light of the world. To the farmer, he is the lord of the harvest. To the florist, he is the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. To the geologist, he is the rock of ages. To the horticulturalist, he is the true vine. To the jeweler, he is the great 
pearl, a pearl of great price. To the judge, he is the righteous judge. To the lawyer, he is the chief advocate. To the philosopher, he is the wisdom of God. To the publisher, he is good tidings of great joy. To the sculptor, he is the living stone. To the theologian, he is the author and finisher of our faith. To the zoologist, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. If you're hungry, he's the bread of life. If you're thirsty, he's the fountain of living water. If you're blind, he's the light of the world. If you're lost, he's the way. If you're confused, he's the truth. If you're dying, he's the source of life everlasting. Christ is enough. And friend, you can know him. And how you view him, how you answer that question, what say ye that I am, will greatly determine what you'll do with him and what you'll do for him. And perhaps before anything else, you can answer that today. Perhaps if we're going to follow Him, we must be clear who He is first. If you're saved, then He's your Savior and Lord. If you're lost, He is your salvation. And can I just encourage you this morning? How's, how's, your, how's your closeness with God? You know, we're going to be talking about things that are of God. We're going to talk about really, as we often hear, the heartbeat. And sometimes we just say the heartbeat of God, but actually it's the heartbeat of Christ. It's, he's the one that went, came to seek and to save that which was lost. And by the way, if you're saved here, that's you. Because He sought you, you are not now saved. And, and listen, church. You know, we can get to the deny yourself. And you know, it's easy to deny ourselves when we know the plan of the one who loved us, the one who we trust. And we, we know then that, that whatever He has for us, it'd be better, much better than ours. Then, then we would go to bear our cross and, and we understand that He bore His cross first. And when we bear our cross, then really what we're doing is we're identifying with Him in His suffering. That, that really as He bore His cross, we can bear our cross as well. And our cross isn't just a burden, no, it's an identifier. It identifies us. It identifies our purpose. It identifies who we are, how we're different. It's living like Him. That's what bearing your cross is. And when we understand that He did it first, that He did it willingly, that He did it in love, that He did it for you, that He did it for me, that He did it regardless of who we are, then we can bear our cross too. And then when we understand that that losing our life for His sake, that, that it was a great one that we lose our life to. That He's, he's, he's your Savior. I know Him. As I fellowship with Him, I know His thoughts toward me. I know His care and His compassion. I know the times He's forgiven me and has shown mercy. But you know what? You might just know that generally. I wonder if you know Him. I wonder if you know the who. Because He's going to call you to follow. I wonder, church, as we, you know, we're going to talk about missions this week. We're going to talk about those things. And that's, that's not man-made. That's God. And you know, you're not going to desire that if you don't desire Him first. You're not going to surrender to that if you don't see a God high and lifted up. 
if you don't know him, if you've just heard of him, but you haven't seen him with the seeing of your eye. If you don't see him in the passage, you know, sometimes we read our Bible or sometimes we come to church and, and all we do is, is we go through and, the, and you know, we often we get to this, we, we look at the black and white letters and the words of the Bible and we just read through it without seeing the God of the Bible. We, we come here and we fellowship and we, we, have, we have a great time together, but, but sometimes do we ever wonder whether God is, is present in our midst because He's the most important one. I wonder if we come to church desiring to serve Him, desiring to lift His name up on high, desiring to, to lift up the name of Christ. I wonder if we go about and we're all about Him. I wonder in our sharing, in our, in our conversations with, with those that are without, I wonder if our mindset is do we, we know Christ and therefore we just want to introduce you to this Lord Jesus Christ who loved you, who died for you. And He's the answer to all your ails. Listen, do we know Him? Is He real? Is He real with us as we, as we think about it, as we, as we walk this journey? Or can we just answer this question, whom do, say, who people, whom do people say that I am? Or can you answer, whom say ye? Whom say ye that I am? Let's pray. Father in heaven, oh Lord, we come before you. Lord, I profess, Father, that there's many times where, Lord, I've, I've not walked with you like I ought. And there's many times, Lord, where, Lord, you've been seeking me. And Lord, I've just not had the mind for you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to change that. Help me, Lord, to have a heart that's seeking after you. And Father, uh, a wise pastor once told me that if we would just follow you, if we would just seek you, we won't miss your will. And too many times, Father, we want to be crown bearers in heaven without being cross bearers here on earth. And, and Father, in all of that, Lord, it really comes down to who do we say you are? Lord, I pray that you'd help us to Lord, be humble in our hearts this morning. Lord, to just have a greater desire for you. Have a greater, Lord, desire to know you. To really seek you. And then, Father, all of those things will be added, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us, dear God, this week as we have our time for missions. Lord, it's not about, it's really not about the missionaries. It's not even really about the world. It's about you. It's about you about one who's worthy to be worshipped. It's about one who's worthy to be praised. It's about one who is so worthy, Lord, that you were the only one worthy to die on the cross and save all of mankind. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to get our eyes back on you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to look to this earth, look to this world, but Lord, to, to look to you, dear God. With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around.